What if you could take the very worst that life has given you, the darkest of the dark, the most painful, traumatic experiences, and turn them into hope and healing for others? Today's guest knew that the only way she could rise up would be by breaking the cycle of sexual abuse, and now she's lifting others up with her. The climb to the top feels so good when you get there. But is it just us? Or can it feel lonely sometimes, even when you're successful? We've learned a few things along the way, and we know we're all stronger together. Together, we are a think tank of three. I'm Julie Holton, an entrepreneur with a couple businesses who sometimes has this boss babe thing down. And I'm Audrey Fick, a strategist and business development coach getting things done most of the time. We're ditching the culture of competitiveness, bringing together women from different backgrounds to share their stories. Let's do this together. Welcome to Think Tank of Three. I'm Julie Holton here with Audrea Fink. We are so excited to bring you a guest today who's an inspiring and motivational speaker. She's also a spunky powerhouse who lives to advocate for others. Priscilla Bordeo, thank you for being our three today on Think Tank of Three. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. We are excited too. Okay, so you have so many jobs and titles. Let's see if I can capture even just a few of them. I know you are the worship leader at your church, Rivers of Life in Holt, Michigan. You are an au pair, a victim's advocate in court, a motivational speaker, and you are always, even with all of those jobs, so full of energy. Yes, that sounds like me. Okay, so one of the things you love most, let's talk about that first. You are a worship leader at your church. You are always so full of energy. You are probably one of the bounciest, most bubbly people I know. Tell me about your love for singing and what just draws you in on a Sunday morning or really probably every morning into just leading your worship. Okay, yes, it's actually one of my favorite, being a worship director of a church is like one of my favorite jobs that I get to do. Me and Jesus and me and the mic. My mic doesn't like judge me, <laughs> you know, it's like, I like that. I feel yeah. like I just like be so free, you know, in my line of work, I just feel like as a motivational speaker and advocate, anything that's out in the community, you always have people that are going to love you or not love you. And I just feel like it's so different when you're in like this church setting, not to say that you don't have your people that may have their opinions. There's just something about worship though. Like if because comes about me and pure worship between me and Jesus and it's just it's so refreshing so encouraging and then I just have this amazing responsibility that I don't take lightly to help others engage in worship and understand it most people think worship is only about singing and it's so not the case it's like a lifestyle how we how we react and respond and how we carry ourselves and it's I don't know it's just a really cool responsibility I love it I've I've sang since I was a little girl literally since I was like two and so I yeah, I have not stopped singing since I was two years old. So it's just And you light up as you talk perfect. about it. I love it. And I love what you said too. The mic does not judge. Thankfully, mm-hmm. right, Andrea? Because the podcast mic does not judge either. <laughs> at least maybe hopefully most of the time. <laughs> Okay, so I love, you know, for our listeners, whether you have a spiritual or faith-based, you know, life or or not, what I really love about hearing Priscilla talk is just how much it means to her. I mean, you can see, I mean, you can't see her, but I can see her, and she just <laughs> lights up when she's talking about this, and it really is reflected, Priscilla, in a lot of what you're doing on social media and in your life in general, and it all comes back to your story, and that's really what we want to talk about today, because Priscilla, your story is one that no child should ever, no person 
but especially no child should ever have to endure. And somehow you have turned this, you know, a, a story, which is really your life. It, you've turned into this incredible human who lives for helping and loving others. And I find that to be just so incredible. Thank you. That is so sweet of you to say. And I love hearing that because I hope that when that people truly see me that way, the way you just described it, I'm like, that's my life goal is to be able to inspire people to believe for more. It does not matter what your upbringing was like or what kind of dysfunction you grew up in. Because the thing is, we're all imperfect people. We all go through things and like our stories may not be the same. And I love what you said, like even if you're faith-based or not. I speak at faith-based conferences, but I also speak at very secular ones. I mean, I've been very fortunate to be before our law enforcement, the National Guard, and, you know, our House of Representatives. And the nice thing about that is I, the one thing we find this common ground on is whether you believe in faith or don't believe in faith, the one thing we all believe and agree is that we all want positivity. And so however that looks for you, great, go for that, choose that. And for me personally, I believe that hope is a person and his name is Jesus, but maybe your hope is coming from a different place. And I just hope that my life can be an encouragement. Maybe that my, maybe just my story alone is like hope to somebody else, you know? Not everyone who has your background would take the path that you've chosen to help others. So it's really phenomenal to hear how you've managed to like take this positivity and infuse it to all of you. Like Julie said, I can see who you are so yeah. full of light. So it's really exciting. But can you talk us through and maybe walk our listeners through your story? Because it starts yes. young. Yes, absolutely. And I, I want to share it because, you know, this what the, what the joy you see right now was not always the case. But I definitely can encourage anybody wherever they're at, if they're like in their dark season, you don't have to stay there. There is joy in the, after the morning. And so, you know, my story is that I grew up in a very dysfunctional home. Both my parents grew up from very large families. My dad has 14 brothers and sisters. My mom has eight. And we grew up in a very... Um, Wait, 14 and eight? That's a, that's a lot yeah, of children. A lot of kids. We come from large families. Yeah. I don't even know how many cousins I have. Mexicans... You stop counting, Andrew. Girl, I can relate. My mom is the ninth of 12 and my dad is the youngest of seven. So I, I got you. Lots of cousins. Sure. Which, like, which also can be, I mean, like really awesome, right? But also dysfunction. We Very know what that looks like because the more people yeah. you have, in theory, the more potential dysfunction you have. <laughs> yes, I'm 34 and I'm still learning. Oh, you're my cousin? What? Like we end up coming down. I meet somebody new and we seriously like didn't know we were related in some way. Man, like our story is so crazy. Most people know me for my story of what I shared publicly. But my dysfunction grew up at a younger age, more before I was the, at the age of 13. So I grew up where my entire dad's side of the family, they were just a drug addict kind of family. And um, when I was five years old, all of our houses were raided by the FBI. And so all of my uncles ended up going to prison for at the time was one of the biggest drug scandals right here in Lansing, Michigan. So growing up with my last name, was really, really tough. I could not wait till I was 18 when I could change my last name. And the pressure when people would be like, are you a Bordeo? You'd be like, ooh, like, why do you want to know? Because the guy that my uncles worked for ended up being executed in Texas, you know, at the authority of President Clinton. And so it's just kind of like, you're, wait, I don't want my last name. That being a part of my life and then being molested at age six years old from one of my cousins from the same side of family. Then at eight years old, I ended up being molested by another cousin 
So by the time I'm 13, I ended up being raped by my father, who was a pastor. And so at 13, you seriously start to believe and think that like, this is your life. This is all that's ever going to happen to you. I went through the most craziest eating disorders. I would eat and eat and eat just so people wouldn't think I was pretty. In my brain, there was something that I just was trying so hard not to be attractive. And so I ate and ate and ate. And then I went through a season of throwing up, throwing up. I mean, you name it, talk about like identity crisis. I didn't know who I was, who I wanted to be, who I didn't want to be, because I felt like the decision was being made for me. It was a very confusing time in my life where your dad, who's a pastor, would get up and preach on Sunday mornings, and you're expected to lead worship, yet behind closed doors, I'm being raped by my father. And so it was just, when I say dysfunction, it's, I'm talking like some real dysfunction and some deep hurt and confusion and that is just a portion of my story. I always tell people at age 13, like, I'm questioning if I'm miscarrying my father's child. And, and then at 14, I'm standing before a judge. And I lied to the judge, thinking I'm protecting my family because my younger sister ended up being raped. And then at age 15, I was, I say I was trapped in a relationship for four years. And it was because I was, I was bound to a relationship that I thought was love. You start to think what you know what love is, but it's so far from love. And then, you know, I just ended in my 20s, I just ended up taking the road less traveled and I had to learn a lot about myself and how to get out of the dysfunction and dark place that I was in as a result of my childhood. What was the turning point for you? How did you, how did you know that you could take that road less traveled? I am so thankful just because I feel like no matter what season, even in the dark season, I feel like God always placed amazing people in my life to see beyond what I could see. And I felt like I had amazing mentors, amazing pastors, people who would really try to help me. And, and at one point, it was a matter of what I let them help, what I let them help me get out of this dark place. When I was in high school, I had went to a youth camp that I had gone to since I was like in elementary school with my church and our youth group went and I remember the speaker was there and he talked about just the power of forgiveness. I didn't really know what forgiveness was until he taught about it. I just remember making the decision that night that I don't know what I'm going to do with my life, but I know what I don't want. Whatever I have to do to like get to this place where I feel like I've overcome, I wanted to do that. I ended up making the decision to forgive my father. I also be I also studied the power of forgiveness, the definition of it, what how the Bible describes it. Like what if I could actually do that? Like what would my life be like if I tr choose to free myself? And what I had learned about forgiveness was that forgiveness is not about whether or not the person deserves to be forgiven. It's not to excuse or justify anything that they've done. It's the fact that I deserve to be free. And to be able to reach my full potential, I had to make the decision. If I cling on to unforgiveness, there's too much negativity that's attached to it. Bitterness, anger, deep sorrow, things that were actually pulling me backwards. When I made the decision to forgive, it was like it freed me up to be all that God created me to be. You're not, you don't have to forgive for the other person. Forgive for yourself so that you can be the exact person that God created you to be.
I want to talk about this just a little bit deeper for a minute because Priscilla, forgiveness is a word that we throw around a lot in society, yeah. but I think to actually forgive is another story. And, I, and I'm getting to know you quite well and, and I've heard yeah. your story in bits and pieces and I've heard you speak. You know, I think there might be some listeners out there twofold, some listeners thinking, okay, there had to be a lot of forgiveness for you to move to the place you are now. Forgiveness, not just to your dad, but also maybe in some respects to God for, for allowing this to happen, so to speak, as some people might say. So I'd like, I'd like to hear about that. I do feel like a lot of people will look at their life and see all the negativity and they will blame God. They'll be like, God caused this. God could have prevented this. And what I would say to that is a lot of people think that he causes things and curses things. But in my personal belief, I don't believe he's attached to that. There's God, and I believe that there's an enemy. And if you don't believe, like I said, if you're not a big faith-based person, so you don't even believe in God or that there's an enemy, then I always tell people, well, there's at least positive and negative. Anything that is good is always going to be attached to God. Anything that's opposite of that is attached to the enemy. In scripture, it talks about that the entire agenda of the enemy is to kill, steal, and destroy. His entire agenda is to do that with your life, with your purpose, with your destiny, and he will do that in many, many forms. For me personally, I can't make the decision for other people or form their opinion, but my opinion is if it's attached to negative negativity or if it's related to the curse, like I don't feel like it's, a t it's I can't blame God for something that the enemy caused. And I also can't blame God for something that my father made a decision on. See, that's the thing about forgiveness. Forgiveness is not just a feeling. It's not like this long process, even though for some people it is. Forgiveness is a process. You choose how long you want to be in that process. We get to choose that. But my dad made a poor decision and it was his decision. It wasn't God's decision. He gave us free will. We all have free will to choose how we want to do things, what we want to do, what we don't want to do, even the decisions that nobody sees. They're all choices that we all make. Does that make sense? It does. What, what would you say, what, what's a piece of advice for someone, maybe not necessarily on, on this level or this depth of, of needing forgiveness, but someone who's struggling to forgive, what's, what's something you would give them as hope to hold on to? How did you, how did you move through that process quicker to make that decision to forgive? I think when people truly understand like what forgiveness is, one, it's a choice and how it works. It's something that, like I said, it, I feel like people think that when we forgive, we're excusing behaviors or we're not really addressing what was done. I don't really feel like that's the case. Like, I think that when we've been hurt, because the reality is, you know, people are going to have to choose. I feel like daily we have to choose to forgive. They may not be on the dealing with this traumatic experience of being raped, but honestly, every day, in our workplace, in our family, people say things to us. We all have this opportunity to deal with offense almost every single day. And if you don't, and forgiveness is like, like I said, it's a choice. Like you have to make the decision. Am I going to rub that off my shoulder? Can I just let that go? Oh, maybe this person meant this. Maybe this person maybe that. Maybe actually it has nothing to do with me. And if they did do something intentional, guess what? Even that decision is about them. It's not about you. And so the forgiveness part, you're just like, what you're saying is, is that no matter what they do or don't do, it's not gonna change your posture. It's not gonna change how you carry on in your life. Like I can be in the same room as my father and not be moved by what he does or doesn't do because my purpose and my destiny doesn't come from my father. So you have this, this background, you have this story, 
you grew up in all of this turmoil, this dysfunction, yeah. and you turn it around. You decide to, you know, live in the positivity and live in, in live in a place of forgiveness. How does that affect what you're doing now? Tell us a little bit about the work you're doing right now. So I am an advocate for girls who have been sexually abused right here in Ingham County. That is not something I get paid for. It is something that I'm just passionate about. I love to do. And I just come alongside other girls and, and boys who have experienced what I've experienced. One of the things that I always share with victims is that I talk about how much courage they have. I'm so proud of the fact that they're able to do what I felt like I couldn't do. You have to remember, I lied to the judge to protect my family. The fact that these kids can come before the judge, especially when they have to testify, and be able to have this courageous conversation in front of the perpetrator is amazing. They were able to do what I couldn't do. I think there's that side of my advocacy work, is being there for the victim, offering them the same hope that I have encouraging them. It's not going to stay like this. You don't have to forever be this victim. Like you literally can go from being a victim to being victorious, but it's still your choice. It doesn't matter how bad it was because there's this opportunity where you can become one or the other. The thing is, is you can't be a victim. You can't be victim-minded and victorious at the same time. You have to make the decision. I would do things out of my behavior was horrible at a certain point and like it was because I hadn't dealt with what happened to me I mean I was making poor decisions I mean I was a worship leader all four years in my college but yet on the weekends man I was going to the bars getting completely wasted going home with complete strangers not having any self-worth I had to like get some healing as hard as this is to say and I say this with like the most respect for every individual in their process I just know that healing is available and it, it, it doesn't really matter what situation you're in, whether it was your fault or not, clearly it was not my fault. Healing is my responsibility. Nobody can heal me. Nobody can make the decision if I, if I wanna be healed. It's not like a little magic wand, you know? You have to work hard for it. You have to, you have to fight against your, how you feel. You have to fight past what's being said to you, the thoughts that come at you. You have to be willing to say, you know what? I deserve to be healed. I have a strong, strong philosophy. Hurt people hurt people, but healed people will heal people. And all I know is that I had to work hard to get healed. And in order for me to do that, I had to be willing to have the tough conversations, to be willing to have that moment where you look in the mirror and you get brutally honest with yourself. Okay, yeah, my dad did that. It was wrong in many, many levels. What helped me in my situation is I began to study what my family and even just the history there and like i said there's nothing that can excuse what my father did or my mother did because my mom found out about it she had a very hard time believing that that was happening you know the amount of guilt she dealt with the amount the amount of hatred i had towards my mom because she didn't do anything to protect me i mean there was a season where i hated her more than i hated my father who did the actual act of it this is the thing i studied my family I studied why my mom made her decisions and why my father made his decisions. Again, not to excuse it. My grandfather, who has the four, 13 kids, the, the 14th is the step, my step-grandfather's child, he had sexually abused his kids. So my dad was one of them. And my dad mm. repeated that same cycle. My mom was sexually abused from her family member, didn't know what to do, never got the help that she needed to get. So now she has a daughter who's experiencing the same thing she is. How do you offer something that you do not have? How do you help somebody with something that you yourself never have gotten help for? It's very, very, it's so difficult to give something you don't have. 
again, not to excuse it, but it gave me some understanding that this was a generational thing. A generational curse is what I like to call it. And there's so many different generational things that are passed on. And some of it's not all like the extreme being raped and incest is a big part of my family. Drugs is still a big part of my family. Sometimes it's just the little things. Just think about how you were raised. If your parents were yellers, are you a yeller? The one that never talked back and you shy away and now like you're like, ooh, I wish I could say what that other person says, but you don't have the courage. I mean, just think about your upbringing. Like there's different things that you saw in your parents and everybody's like, I'm never gonna be like my mom or my dad. And then they grow up as an adult and I keep hearing, now I'm just like my mom and my dad. Yeah. Right. You have to fight for those decisions. you know what you have to and breaking the cycle. Yeah. yeah. And that's kind of how I feel. I'm like, at this point, it became bigger than me. It, it, this was for the sake of my entire family. I'll take it. I have to fight to break this cycle for the sake of everybody. That's what I do as my advocate work. What separates me from most advocates is most advocates are for the victims, but I'm actually an advocate advocate for both. I'm an advocate for victims who have been sexually abused, but I'm an advocate for perpetrators being rehabilitated and getting the help that they need while in prison. And that's not just perpetrators who have sexually abused. I believe that our prison systems can no longer be babysitting rooms. (laughs) You know, this isn't about someone committing a crime and now they have like the schedule. No, we have to figure out why they made the decision that they, and I believe counseling should be attached to everybody's sentence. I think you've got to get to the root of the problem and why they did what they did. Because if they don't get the help while they're in prison, they will come back out and recommit the same crime. And if you're trying to end sexual abuse, like most victims want, you can't focus on the victim. They're not the ones committing the crime. So you focus on the perpetrators. And like I said, that can be the person who's in there for fraudulent activity, who's in there for stealing, who's in there for prostitution. I mean, you name it. Why are people making the decisions that they're making? People need to get healed and they need to get help. And that doesn't mean that there's not consequences for actions. I believe in God's law. I believe in man's law. I believe that they both go hand in hand. But there has to be this heart thing of we got to help people get healed so they're not infecting everybody else. Your passion really comes through so strongly, Priscilla. I imagine that this couldn't have been easy. I mean, you talk, you talk about, you know, you're in your, your early 30s now, the journey that it took you to get to this place. But I imagine that for some of our listeners, we're, we're listening, thinking, okay, if I had suffered a deep trauma, I might want to put it behind me you know, heal and and move on and and not have to relive it. You know, here you are even in this podcast, you know, reliving it as you talk about it. And I love because I I can hear your passion come through about how you're moving this conversation forward. So I don't want to imply that you're just like reliving it and and, and dwelling in it or something. But, But still to get to this point of being able to embrace your story to help others, how did you get to this point? Like I said, I've always had amazing women and spiritual beings who just invested in my life. They didn't see me as that problem child. You know what I mean? And when if they did see me as like the problem child, because I was problem so I definitely was, you know, I struggled with a lot of different things, especially trust. That's definitely something that I've had to work really, really hard to build with the people that I have in my life right now. But I'm just, I'm thankful for the grace and I'm thankful that God has always put people in my life who were able to speak into me. And like I said, not see me as this person that I wasn't. And even if I was struggling, it's amazing if you can have people who look beyond the struggle to call. I'm a big fan of like, I don't believe in calling people out. I believe in calling people up. Nobody likes being called out. It's not fun. The feeling attached to it sucks. And you won't win people over. 
right? <laughs> Let's just all admit that right now. You're yeah. never going to win anyone over. No. Yeah. <laughs> but man, when you can call people up and you're like, Priscilla, like I remember, man, I was going through really toxic, unhealthy relationships out of a place of not he being healed. I just was, it was horrible. I mean, I was like, I lost who I was. I didn't have any self-worth. I didn't care what happened to me. And I remember my pastor one time told me, she invited me to lunch and she was just like, Priscilla, and she had done so much to try to help me get out of the dysfunction that I was in. She's like, look, I've provided everything I can provide for you. At this point, Priscilla, it's up to you. You have to decide. You can stay like this if you want to, but you have to make the decision. You're either going to love, you love God or you don't love God. You either love the purpose and the destiny he has for you and you want to go after that or you don't want to go after that you can stay here and i won't judge you if you decide to stay here but god has called you for more than what you're doing right now the things that you're feeling there's more on the other side of this but you have to make the decision you had chosen to forgive but now you have to heal and so I made that decision. I went to this class, I went to counseling and I just really began to like, and that's when I began to study like my family history. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, like I said, it's more than me at this point. You're talking about there's a future generation past me, my kids, my grandkids. It's definitely a drive that keeps me going. I want to make sure that everyone understands you have to decide what kind of life you want. And I'm thankful that there were people who stood by me, encouraged me, and believed in me because I would not be where I'm at if it wasn't for them. As we start to wrap up, what resources are out there for listeners who might be victims of abuse? And then what resources are available for perpetrators who maybe want to be rehabilitated? When it comes for, to victims, it depends on what situation you're in. Are you trying to go the court route? Like for me, statutes of limitations have been lifted. There's nothing I can do legally towards my father. But if it's like a legal thing, there's definitely, I would tell him to call Ingham County's office. They want to go like the court route. As an advocate, I'm not paid through Ingham County. Everything has been by word of mouth. People contact me through my website. Hey, would you be an advocate and come alongside me on my case? But they also have advocates there at Ingham County that they do pay. There's the Firecracker Foundation here in Lansing. There's Small Talk right here in Lansing. I try to tell people the best thing that you can do is get plugged in a faith-based church because I feel like there's nothing like the church coming alongside you. I know that it was the church and every person that was attached to me that believed in me and brought me up was in a church. Even if it wasn't my same church, I was so thankful for the guidance and wisdom that they had to help me through my dysfunction and my crazy, crazy life. Every state is so different. So, I mean, I can only speak on like right here in Lansing. I believe counseling and Christ go hand in hand. Some people think you can do all things in Christ and like, sure, can he do everything? Absolutely. But there's something that's on us too. We have to work at the healing. We have to apply certain things. It's like I said, there's no magic wand to any of this. And there's no one pathway for everybody. Everyone's journey is so different. I would just encourage people hire a counselor, get somebody that you can trust and start sharing what's going on in your life and get the help that you need so that you can be healed from the inside out so that you can actually reach your full potential. And then for perpetrators, I'm working on that actually. I am on trying to change the laws right here in Michigan where counseling is attached. I know that they do have programs for rehabilitation, but my understanding is counseling is always optional. They do provide like a priest and things like that in, in the prison. We don't have a lot of resources for those that are trying to get rehabilitated. But I do know of a place called Forgiven Felons that's in Texas. They share the same passion and they help felons who have been released from prison get back on their feet. And their, their percentage rate of how successful they are is, is pretty high. And it's amazing the work that they're doing. If every city could 
form of program like that, our country would be in another amazing place. And I'll give a quick shout out. There is, this is local to Lansing, Michigan, but there is a brand new startup that, that is doing some incredible work in creating an app that helps with the transition. So this is a, a criminal justice reform advocacy organization that's helping in some of those transitions. It's right now focused on probation and, and parole reform so that there's a more positive reentry experience. Yeah. Again, we're talking about people who've gone through the process. It's called Power and Passion. So check that out. And, and we'll also put some more resources with this podcast transcript for, you know, for everything we've been, we've been talking about for those who are really working towards, you know, reentry into society and, and, and turning their lives around. And also for the victims that need help speaking out, need help finding their voice and through that advocacy work, Priscilla. That's really, really cool. I do want to say one thing that, cause I think sometimes people are like, wait, I have to forgive my perpetrator. My decision to forgive my father, my story is not going to be like everybody's story. Everyone's situation is so different. I could have 100% have forgiven my father and had decided I want no relationship with you. And that would have been absolutely fine. I tell people forgiveness for those who say that they love Jesus, they have a personal relationship with him. It's part of our faith that we believe that forgiveness is mandatory, but reconciliation is optional. You do not have to reconcile with anybody that's toxic or is not good for you. My father and I will never have the father-daughter relationship that God intended for us to have. It's definitely different. But if somebody were to listen to this and think that they that forgiveness is now meaning reconciliation, I just wanted to make sure that was clear. They're safe. They don't, that is not a decision that they have to make. That was just my own personal decision to make. And that was out of just understanding that he himself went through it and I wanted him to get healed and help as well. And he has. And so I feel like that has, my situation is just a little bit different. No matter what their story is or what where they're at, I want every person to get healed up because I want them to reach their full potential. And it's just really hard to do that when you're infected. Thank you for sharing that. So what is the best way for our audience to connect with you if they have questions or want to reach out regarding resources or maybe just learn more about forgiveness and healing? You can reach me um, through my website. It's P-R-I-S-C-I-L-L-A, my last name, Bordeo, B-O-R-D-A-Y-O.com. So PriscillaBordeo.com. Or they can email me at P-R-I at PriscillaBordeo.com. But I'm also on Instagram as Priscilla Bordeo. I'm on Facebook as Priscilla Bordeo. Well, and if you're looking for some some inspiration, some motivation, um, especially anything faith-based inspiration, follow Priscilla on Facebook and Instagram, and you are sure to fill your cup that way. Priscilla, thank you so much for joining us today. If you have topics you'd like us to cover or guests you'd like to hear from, send us a message at thinktakeafree at gmail.com. Subscribe to Think Tank 3 wherever you listen to podcasts and connect with us online. We blog weekly at thinktank3.com. Follow us on social media and be sure to join our private group on Facebook where we can all share advice freely. If you liked what you heard in this podcast, share it. You can find Think Tank of 3 on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, and SoundCloud.